I got a letter from the district attorney's office. You did? <laughs> yeah. Are uh, you in trouble? I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> what did the district attorney have to say to us? Oh, it's funny because when you're working on building a new building and you're doing all this crazy stuff, like there's so many bits and pieces that you have to try and you know keep all your loose ends tied up and you just worry you're going to screw something up that you don't know you screwed up <laughs> but you know you've got criminal charges <laughs> direct from the district attorney's office i swear i was checking my mail <laughs> it actually was not about me as an offender <laughs> it was to tell me that i am actually in fact a victim a victim a victim now i think anybody who's listening to this knows one of the little side sagas that we've had has been tracking the theft of our fire department connector. Mm-hmm. This happened so long ago, I don't even remember. <laughs> A man stole the connector to our sprinkler system. I caught it on video. I then went on Facebook and Reddit and two TV stations. Yeah, it ended up on the local news because... As it turned out, this guy has been stealing these brass fittings up and down the side of Philadelphia. Oh, my favorite. There was a guy on Facebook, another victim, Mm -hmm. uh, who had made a wanted poster. Uh, He offered $500 for any information leading to the arrest of this thief. His poster included snapshots of my video. I did ask him for the $500. (laughs) You. <laughs> he's a little reluctant he's like are you sure this guy's the one who's arrested i'll find out yeah. because what came in the mail here was a victim's compensation letter that's so weird that's so weird because to me victim's comp is something that's reserved for extremely serious crimes and this is a theft that cost us what 400 bucks so I guess we're applying to be reimbursed for 400 bucks. I mean, we were out that $400 because home insurance has a $1,000 deductible. Mm-hmm. So $400 came out of our pocket and it sucked, but it it wasn't catastrophically. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know if we'll actually get money back. I've right. operated under the assumption that it's just gone. Right. Like, and that just, <laughs> it just engaged me more. Sure. Because I think, sure. as I mentioned, there was... There's a 2012 Cadillac in that video. Yeah. Uh, my my connector fled in a car that was worth more than all my cars combined. Sure. And yeah, it, I don't it, care if they have to seize that Cadillac and sell it at a sheriff's auction as long <laughs> as they get me my 400 back. And maybe we won't get the 400 back, but at least, you know, those people will be apprehended and punished and think twice about stealing our fire department connection again. Yeah, we'll see. It's a whole weird thing. It is weird. We have <laughs> victims. It's like... Like, what, we're supposed to have PTSD from having Well, that was one of the questions. It was like, what kind of psychological trauma have I had? Seriously, that said that on the on the form? Yeah, and, you know, just explain. It, it was almost like freeform essays for some of these. Some of them were very specific, like what was stolen mm-hmm. and how much was it worth. I had to attach the invoice for replacing it. Okay, sure. So I wrote it down exactly. It was like $406.13 or uh-huh. something like that. But yeah, it, it's clearly an all-purpose form for, uh, I guess... Everything up to and including, like, aggravated assault and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Heesh. Well, at least, you know, we didn't have it that bad. Uh, speaking of local news, I don't know if this counts in our 
competition to see who gets on the most local news. Mm -hmm. But I had a feature in the Westchester University Alumni Magazine this week, which was very exciting. They love you. And it was very relevant because despite the fact that I graduated from Westchester with a Bachelor of Music in Theory and Composition, which is supposedly my main career, mostly the article talked about privy digging. (laughs) (laughs) The title was, Melissa Dunphy Really Digs Composing. (laughs) How do you make less money than an artist? (laughs) Dig Dig in poop. (laughs) What else did we do this weekend? I think, was it Saturday that we did the walking tour? Yes. The Philadelphia Archaeological Forum sponsored a walk just going around and talking about the history of archaeology in Philadelphia starting back in the 50s and just the evolution of it uh, wrapping up um, I mean it was raining a little bit but we got out to George Washington's house and talked about how the exposure of the slave quarters on the footstep of the Liberty Bell was really driven by popular influence in archaeology. Mm-hmm. And the people leading that tour were Doug Mooney, who's the head of the Archaeological Forum, and Jed Levin, who's at the National Park Service. Yeah. And we had met Jed before, and we had been in Doug's orbit. So, hi, Doug, if you're <laughs> listening to this. I don't think Jed listens to podcasts, but we're going to try and get him on the show because they have, both of them have the most amazing stories and terrific perspectives and expertise when it comes to exactly the kind of archaeology that we're doing. And their walking tour was super fascinating, and I really want to get some of those stories down here. Oh, yeah, we totally monopolized their time after the tour stopped. They very graciously sat and just chatted with us for like a half hour. Yeah, and And then I was like, can we just come over with microphones, please? (laughs) So hopefully, fingers crossed, they let us do that because I really want to tell you about the work they're doing. It's amazing. But that's all in the future. For right now, we have a very special episode. It's the first of two parts that we are spending with... The Privy Diggers. Yep, that's Michael Frechette and Tom Salvatore, um, who I think actually pronounces his name Tom Salvatore, but I really want to say it the Italian way, Tom Salvatore, because... (laughs) I'm a musician. You just have classier instincts than me. Uh, (laughs) Last episode, we talked to Larry Aliche, who, when I introduced myself to him, I uh, called him Larry Alice. (laughs) I think he also sometimes just calls himself Larry Alice for ease of spelling because he can't be bothered correcting people. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, that's nice enough of him, but it's Aliche. It's the Italian way. (laughs) It's always funny out here. It's like the the time we went to a Greek restaurant in New York, and I thought, surely, surely here I could say gyro. And I ordered a gyro, and the lady was like, you mean gyro? Mm. Like, no matter how you pick, if you're picking something that has a different pronunciation, you're probably going to pick wrong. Yeah, I guess I should explain that to Australians, because we don't even fucking know. When I first came to America, yes, gyros, gyro. In Australia, which we spell Y-E-E-R-O, is spelled in America G-Y-R-O and often pronounced gyro. Yep. So fucking weird. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, if you're wondering why this episode is coming out a day later than usual, it's because... Sunday is podcast day for us, Mm -hmm. and yesterday, when we should have been editing and releasing this episode, we instead 
spent the whole day with one half of the privy diggers. Michael was out of town, so we spent the day with Tom and another privy digging friend. And we can't tell you about this project yet. It's a little bit secret little bit top secret but what we can tell you is that we got extremely tired wet dirty sore still sore (laughs) still feeling that i'm gonna feel that for a while yeah and yet for all the misery that sounds like we got really excited too yeah we were very excited because the project was very successful and there's a lot more work to be done To be continued. Yes, to be continued. We will hear about this hopefully on a future episode and I will have more work to do on that particular project this week, but I have to balance it. (laughs) Michael is back from out of town and he's going to be helping me out with this, but these exciting projects pop up at the worst possible times. This week, the play Among the Dead at Theatre Exile is opening and I did the sound design for that. I'm also appearing for Opera Philadelphia in their Opera on Trial educational program at Temple University. On Saturday, I have three performances of my music in the area from Voices of Pride, which is a LGBTQ choir here in Philadelphia, and Ensemble Compagno, and Elise Broncho, the soprano, is singing one of my works in Princeton, New Jersey. And to top it all off, it's finals week at Rutgers, and I am losing my fucking mind right <laughs> Now, I am losing my mind. And then yesterday we had to drop everything and do this important project for reasons that we cannot explain to you because it's all very top secret. Good God. Yeah. And I'm real busy uh, pitching an e-commerce platform that uh, is not nearly as exciting as all that. I I actually think it's it's, exciting. There's some cool stuff. Normally when I'm doing stuff at work, I mean, I, I like what I do, but we talk to different companies that sell things that I really have no interest in. I'm surprisingly anti-consumer for somebody who works in e-commerce. But this past week, I got to speak with a pretty cool company who I've probably spent a lot of money with. Yeah, probably and thousands of dollars over the years. Pretty excited to have them uh, come over and spend money on me. Fingers crossed. Anyway... We should probably get to this interview, which is going to open with an explanation of how we first met Michael and Tom. Take a seat. You're in the bog house. A couple of years ago, mm-hmm. I used to work for a public radio and television station a long time ago, and so I always join my public radio station wherever I live, and so I came to Philadelphia and I joined WHYY from WHYY in Philadelphia. It's... Privy talk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I get an email from WHYY TV, and it says, we're doing a special event. It's the launch of a new episode of uh, what's Friday the Arts. Friday, Friday Arts. Friday Arts. Yeah. And uh, it's the Privy Diggers. And like the first thought in my head was like, I've been targeted and someone is playing a joke on me. I just dug a Privy. What is happening? This is this is the weirdest thing. The timing thing. was pretty great. It was really strange. And it was like, WHYY members can get a ticket for only $10. And I just immediately like, click, click, click. Take my money. Take my money. How do we do this? How do we do Matt, we're going to this thing. Cancel all engagements. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and it was held at a bar in Kensington. 
Is this right? Yes, Kensington. Yeah. Um, Front Street Cafe. Front Street Cafe, which we hadn't been to. So Matt and I get in the car at 6 p.m. on a school night and go to this place. And I remember we were like standing in the doorway and I was like kind of nervous because I was like, I hadn't really at that point met people who have dug a ton of privies. We met one guy. We met we met Rob and Michelle, the archaeologists. That's true. But, we'd met them by now. And we'd met George. Yeah. That we talked about in an earlier episode. And we were kind of like, is George going to be here? Like, who else is going to be here? I don't know who these people are. And, you know, we were looking around at the audience like, are all these people into privy digging? Or are they just random WHYY people? And we go up the stairs to the special event room in the bar. And they had a screen set up. And I remember the first thing we saw was like, a bunch of redware on the table. And of course, we immediately turned into those obnoxious fucking people who are like, oh, redware. Oh, oh, look oh, at Oh, I the- have one like that. Oh, Matthew, look at this drape. Although, plate. I mean, quite honestly, what we saw, like, uh, that's my gal. This is something that you will Describe just have to plate. check Describe out. Describe this plate. On, uh, it's actually on the wall behind us as we're talking. That's so- true. There's this, uh, I would say, a primitive drawing of presumably a woman. Curly hair and mullet. underneath it. Yeah, she's got a mullet. She's yeah. got a mullet. She's That's got a mullet. Pro- proto mullet. It's okay. Proto-mullet. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there was a, a new it's thing It's a drape formed plate. So it's a plate. You make these redware plates by rolling out a, bu- a thin layer of clay like a rolling pin and then draping it over a form and cutting the edge. And uh, then you have a plate and then you put decorations on the inside of the plate with slip, which we described in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. Happens before you drape it, actually. Oh, that happens before you drape it. So yeah. you, you roll it flat, you put the decoration on, you drape it, you fire it. It's a really easy and fast way to make a plate. And this says, uh, that my gal, that's, there was a, it started out as that. And I think there was a correction. We'll take a picture. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so then we uh, watched a half hour documentary. Is it half no, it wasn't hour? That half hour? It was 11 yeah. minutes, yeah. actually. Oh, it's, yeah. Let me get down to it in 11 minutes. <laughs> it's an 11 minute documentary, which we were just completely like, like every single thing in it we could identify with. It's wonderful. Yeah, it was. Uh, we, and you can still watch it online, right? Yeah, yeah so, it still comes on TV. It still, it still airs. That's it's awesome. Still, nice. Friday Arts, The Privy Diggers. Yeah. Well, we will link Google to that, that. You'll get right to it. You'll get to it, and you can you can watch this documentary. And then afterward, there was a question and answer session. And that's where we we're introduced to the voices that you're hearing today. Yes. <laughs> so with us here today, we have Michael Frechette and Tom Salvatore. Yeah, we're the Privy Diggers. I'm, my name's Tom Salvatore, as you said, and uh, I've been digging privies for about since about 1992. Wow, pretty long time. Yeah. Okay. I, I found privies by accident. I used to metal detect. Isn't there like there's, a whole reality show about that now? It's yeah, like, there's a whole bunch of going on. Crazy, yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of hype in those. They're, they go all different directions, and there's got to be a backstory because in and of itself, privy digging and treasure hunting is boring until you find something. Right. Most of the time, you find nothing. It's just the thrill of the chase. Yeah. I was metal detecting in Norfolk, Virginia, and I found uh, privies, and I didn't know what they were. These structures that had coffee dirt in it I thought it was and bottles in it and it, I was playing with them digging them for a while and I was getting really great stuff it was a mall they were putting in downtown and it had 8-10 acres MacArthur Mall and man it was just awesome it was just all kind of artifacts we were finding and I didn't know I was digging privies before I dug privies so, so there this was is that. just like this open construction open site open construction site I was there so often that the security guys recognized me as just a, a fixture in the site I'd, go, I'd wave to them and they were in the trailer it was, it was months 
before they come up to me and go, hey, uh, what are you doing? Right, so you, you didn't have permission, you just like came on? Yeah, I had a hard hat and stuff, and I'm like, eh, I'm walking around and just digging everywhere, and they just kind of took for granted that I was supposed to be there. You know, and I opened holes in the fence, you know, and snuck in, and it was great. And uh, finally I get kicked out, and then it became a night operation. It was... <laughs> It was a little Did different. you find anything? Oh, I got so many things. I was I was the only one there in downtown Norfolk, metal detecting oh, and wow. bottle digging, in a historic part of town. Yeah, you know, I could just see these privies, and I didn't know what they were. They were just little black stains in the ground, oh one after God. the other, and I would dig them, and uh, didn't know what I was getting into. But yeah, that's where it started. That was about nineteen ninety three ish, maybe. Wow. So there began my the seeds were planted for a privy digger. Because you were, okay, so you were in the military at one point. Yeah, I was right? a Marine. And were you uh, in the Marines at that point? Or no, I, I got out of the Marine Corps. I was working for uh, uh, Lockheed Martin, some okay. uh, military contractors yeah. on I've heard of them. ships. <laughs> yeah. You know them? They some seem good bombs. Yeah. yeah. Important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were working on a sonar system. So as soon as I get off, I'd run downtown to Norfolk and uh, we were working on the ships. So I'd mm-hmm. run back down to Norfolk and do my thing. I, that's where I, and I ran into another guy. He was a privy digger, the real deal. He told me what I was doing. His name was Michael as well. He started breaking me in on privy digging. Now, this is what a privy digger wood liners down there. And uh, then I was kind of hooked. I mean, once you privy digging, it doesn't mean anything to you until you find something and you're hooked. You know, yes. you get that, like you. Yeah, it's the we same got thing. lucky with our first yes. ever privy. Yeah, you hit the job. If that privy didn't have anything in we wouldn't be sitting here talking. Yeah, you would not be like, oh, there if was. If you dig a 40 foot hole and there's nothing at the bottom of it. <laughs> Yeah, you you're do fucking doing something. Yeah. Else. No. This, this is stupid. Yeah. This is such a waste it's of money. Anyway, you need it. It's it's less stupid when you find things, right? You know what really hit for me was not the privy digging there. I found a dump that was three, four feet deep and about twenty feet long of solid nineteen ten era Pepsi sop bottles. Those are worth hundreds apiece, some of them. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I was like in a gold mine. I had a great time digging those, and then that's when eBay started was uh, coming to life. So I was like selling these bottles, and they were going, I was making more money on these bottles than I was on my job. Right. So I was like, I like this hobby. Yeah, Yeah, sure. So So how did you end up up here? I landed a job up here. I just got a job offer, and I took it up here. And so we moved up there, got married. Had some kids. Never stopped privy digging. I, I started in Baltimore at that sure. point. So I dug in Baltimore for years. And that was when Baltimore was really rough. And you could pretty much go anywhere you want. As long as you looked busy and you had a shovel slung over your shoulder and a probe, no one messed with you. You sure. know, I've seen... It's very official. Yeah, you just kind of walk about. Your, you don't exist in the other worlds. You know, you just kind of... There's a world here, a world there, and you're just walking in your world. And as long as you don't go, hey, how much is that crack? You know, then, then you... Uh, <laughs> Then you enter into that world. Is this your dead hooker? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, I still maintain that before I maintained that haircut, the Marine haircut for a long time. So I was always that white boy in the black neighborhood. And they're like, he a cop. Right. So so I always was that guy. So, yeah, it was was fun. It was uh, exciting because there was definitely lots of shootings. And we've seen them. And you heard gunshots on a regular basis. Yeah. And it was, was rough. Yeah, yeah I mean, Baltimore it's so rough. It's, Philly, Philly was rough then. Oh, yeah, at, sure. at that point, cities were all recovering yeah. from everything that had gone down in like the '60s and '70s. Yeah, right. yeah. My mom worked at Johns Hopkins for many years. So. Johns Hopkins was a good place to dig. Be honest with you, because the hospital was there, and behind it was a neighborhood. It was a horrible neighborhood. It was terrible. Rutland Avenue and all that stuff, and I think it was yeah. called. But thirty to fifty percent vacants. 
and those are the neighbor that the older neighborhoods were the ones that got mostly abandoned and that were divided off by urban renewal projects and, right. and torpedoed right. and, and so they were left dead. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like what happened to your neighborhood? Sure, sir. Who are you? Michael Frechette. I've been digging his privies nearly as long as Tom. I've actually met Tom at a privy. Uh, my son got me into it. We were just walking around Kensington, finding little sherds, and we started looking them up. And then I saw Tom digging a hole, and uh, walked up and introduced myself and offered to help. And, oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, and and we just we've been together almost every Sunday ever since. Yeah. When it, that brings me back to the the hit, the immediate hit, that privy that he helped us dig was loaded, loaded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it had it was, good. it was stacks of redware plates. Yeah, remember, and a lot of the artifacts that you see in this were in that privy. Yeah. So it was very, and it was some really good bottles. The first big hit, we got permission from a uh, an operator. I said, you know, I used my son as bait, and I said, you know, how uh, old was your son? My son was he was really cute back then, so he was probably what, eight, <laughs> he's nine, still yeah, really seven. Cute. He's still really cute. It's yeah, true. Yeah. It's, so he's probably seven, and uh, I said, my son's really interested in archaeology. There's a privy over here. Can we dig it? And he's like. Oh sure, what the hell? And so he let us in, and he, as long as I get to keep the marbles. Right? Yeah, yeah, he wanted the blue marbles. That was his thing. He wanted the blue marbles. Okay. Okay. Where the heck did he get this impression? That's so weird. Like, yeah, no, but that's well, he digs. So those guys all have collections as well. Okay, because they chew they through them all. A yeah, thing. yeah. So right. that was blue marbles were his thing. <laughs> So we found uh, we found a bunch of stuff and we dug in there. It was hot as hell. Yeah, and uh, it was me, you, and Lewis in a hole pulling out pondled bottles like there was yeah. no tomorrow. In the fact, there's a video on YouTube about that. Uh, what's it called? Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll link it to you. It's a it's, lo- it's a cool video. I set up all the bottles like sixty bottles. Yeah, sixty pondled sodas. Set them on my porch. And it's sodas really are sodas are the things way. that most privy diggers are after. We kind of don't care about them yeah. at all. Like yeah. we, we've we've dug some good ones, some bad ones. Yeah. To us, they're just bottles with names on. So them. Like yeah. A little background. Okay. So like a couple of little background things for people who are listening who haven't been immersed in this world. In Philadelphia, there are areas of Philadelphia where you can just walk around and you'll see bits of pottery hanging out in the dirt. Absolutely. The if you're keen, if you're tuned into it, it's there for you. Yeah. yeah. We've found this especially in our neighborhood because I95 cut through and destroyed a lot of yes. our neighborhood it turned and then up. all around the pylons of 95 you will just see shit tons of shirts. That yeah. should be a phrase. Yeah, it's put history on a soup. You know, it's just no. yeah. yeah, history soup. Shit, tons of shirts. and you can just like scrabble in the dirt, and you will find pieces of pottery from the 17 and 1800s just hanging out on the ground, just mingling with the others. Pieces of pottery from the 1890s. I guess if you lived in London, this would be like seriously unremarkable because in London, there's like this whole culture of mudlocking. Yeah, on the Thames and they're going back many more centuries. Right. It's like... Roman artifacts. Right. Our our stuff is like totally piss weak. Oh, yeah. 200 years old. (laughs) Big big deal. BFD, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at the uh, conference that uh, my work had, we had a a fellow from London come over and everybody's like, oh, you got to come and stay in the old part of the city. And he's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I had a a choir piece premiered at like the oldest church in London. And I'm like, oh, really? Like how old is the oldest church in London? And it's like, 
like a thousand years old. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's been standing okay. since, right. Yeah. right? Right, right. Like mm, different scales. So there's like that whole aspect, which is a really cool way to get into privy digging. And then what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh yeah, the soda bottle thing. Yes. So I actually learned this when we were doing our construction because in the top layer underneath our building, we found several of these soda bottles. Typically, they're brown or green glass, sometimes blue, sometimes yellow, sometimes it can be puce. And they have the manufacturer's name and they're either colored, it's like some kind of flavored carbonated water or they're also beer. Beers are also called sodas in the collecting oh, world. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. So they have the manufacturer's name and certain ones of them are more rare, it's more valuable. Based, it's all based on known examples. Exactly, exactly. Well, and right. quantity the of first, known examples. The first green whatever or the first blue whatever like stamp collecting very much it's baseball cards or whatever sure uh and then a panel is on the bottom and that's the way that they were it's a scar from manufacturing that tells you they were made before a certain date i think it's about like 1850 yeah 1850 and that panel is like you're either cool or you're not if you don't have the panel you're nobody you (laughs) got like after nobody collects right non-panel bottles yeah people go as a panel uh yeah oh cool let me see it yeah but is it okay in my accent pontil Pontil. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> it's the asshole Pontil of the bottle. You know? Right. And I think I talked about this in the very first episode where we talked about finding the wine bottle. A pontil sure. scar is a scar on the bottom of the bottle from where it's been blown. Right. Correct. And then you like break off the little straw at the bottom. Yeah, it's like part of the manufacturing process. Right. right. So hang on a second, because this was what blew my mind when I was looking at this stuff. How old is soda? That's a good question. Right? I, they, they actually started showing up in the 1830s, but I'd imagine... Because I guess there were probably like natural springs where it comes out carbonated. But then they figured out, yes, and then they figured out the process on how to actually compress the carbon, right. carbon dioxide into the water. Soda stream. So, like, it's so amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> then they invented the soda stream. Because <laughs> 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 when I first discovered like that these bottles were soda bottles, I was amazed. And our soda bottles that we found in our building were maybe 100 years old. Mm-hmm. And even that was like mind-blowing to me because in my head soda is like this like Coca-Cola like 20th century we won't get off the couch for that right right right. exactly it's like it's actually nothing and I was also really astonished Uh, so the soda bottle that Michael is holding in his hand right now it does not look like a modern soda bottle like for a start they tend to be sort of thicker very heavy and they're really heavy I suppose did they do what they used to do um, like decades ago with milk bottles and just like wash and reuse them yes oh yeah absolutely there was was a deposit on on this bottle and this would go back to the manufacturer and you would fill it up again or if you you know were hiding it you'd throw it down the shitter yeah. yeah, but the, the bottles will develop where in caseware from being in case uh, cases with oh, other ones. Sure, sure. You'll see the caseware on the outside of the bottle, and the base will have wear from like sliding on. And there's tables. different kinds of panels too. There's sand panels. There's iron panels. There's open panels. Oh my god, who gives a shit? Sorry. Right? Yeah. No, <laughs> this is. I, you took the words out of my mouth, but. Um, when we, the first thing She's that right. we found in the privy was a wine bottle, and this is where I learned that there are whole fucking communities that are like super fixated on bottles. Because yeah. I googled, and the first thing I came up with was like this fifty-page fucking PDF that was like talking about wine bottles that you find and like how to date them and talk about them, and it was all actually post All very useful if you're doing academic research. Sure, yes. like, but it was, absolutely. Yes. This 100%. was not an academic paper. This no, was no, like this dudes is, that collect bottles, like train people. 
or yes, or, or like train civil war reenactors. Yeah, it's yes. a subculture inside yeah, of like, a subculture. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and just like clowns, like there's party clowns and rodeo clowns <laughs> and mimes. There's hierarchies and collectors. Like yeah. we're, we're nerds, but we're not this kind of. We're nerd. not that yeah. kind of nerd. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was like really interesting. Like that did not turn me on at all. What I like is not the bottles. So the bottles are just like Mike said earlier. They're just vessels with words on them letters numbers whatever addresses i like these personal artifacts that you have that you can actually draw a connection right to an actual person for example we get these mead bottles and, and uh salt glaze bottles we don't have any in the immediate area but they have a fingerprint on them you can see fingerprints that's yeah. a moment where the child in time. was holding it to dip it and debbie miller was talking about that and yeah uh, earlier i mean and and i i've never heard an archaeologist put it that way but it's it's very true it is the personal connection to that person's life you know, the history and, you know, all that stuff is parallel to that. But when you see that, you know, a spoon that's worn out on one side, so it's asymmetrical because somebody used wear. it for so long that they actually scraped off one side. Uh-huh. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Or, or, the, or the wax bead that Debbie was talking about. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, for any, sure. Anything that'll capture a moment in time. For example, uh, one thing I like is when we find a, a chamber pot that has like... An eggshell in it and a broken cup and a few things that someone just placed in there and just dropped it into the shitter. Right. And or, boom, it's gone. And that captures a moment of something that happened in 1840. You or know? a syphilis cure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cool right. things Which like we that. did quite often. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah, what, that like? what, what is a syphilis cure? Well, they used uh, sassafras was believed to cure syphilis, among other things. And uh, I don't know what was in them. And I'm pretty sure they didn't work, but uh, but you know there's there's certain there's jar lids with the with you know the so and so's name on it, and you look it up, and it's like yeah, it's a syphilis cure. Huh? And there's syringes. Wait, what do you what do you do with it? It's like a like a like a uh, tonic. Or? Well, I hear what you do with it is uh, I don't know. Like I, I believe, <laughs> if I remember correctly, the term for it in the 19th century was butt chugging. <laughs> you're, you're talking right out your ass right now. <laughs> I mean, but no, there, there's syringes. I mean, like, sure. we would find syringes as well. I don't know. Did you dip the, your unit into the thing, or I, I don't, I'm you just put like, the cream on, or the, I don't know why. I'm just like fascinated. I'm like, well, what, what? Like, yeah. How this, are you this curing is, this, syphilis? Now, this is why we need historians. I know. Because we don't. We don't really. Right, fuck somebody you know. knows. We don't. Yeah. yeah we, we, we dig the stuff. And at what point? Because syphilis is like become systemic, where it's like affecting your whole body, and your nose falls off, and like right. all of this shit. That's why it's so easy to sell to syphilitic people. <laughs> right. Yeah. You want to get some higher's root beer. Back well, and then, and then it also goes away periodically when it right. goes when it goes. On, you're like, this shit works. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for action. Everybody needs to take this lead poison. That mercury I, was the deal. Oh, that's right, mercury. Well, right, the, right. The, the, Which think, makes you crazy faster. Oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah. mercury is a serious neurotoxin for sure. So that so that's one thing. Like you know, hand carved items as well. Yeah. Uh, there's we have a whole drawer of brushes in there. Uh, bone personal okay, so artifacts. Right now, I should like we should back up. Where are we? Where are we right now, Matt? We are at Michael's house. We're actually sitting right up front in this beautiful room with uh, you might barely hear on the microphones. Uh, we've got a fire going in the background here because so it got Michael chilly. So Michael's a house that was the the bones of it were uh, from the 1850s, yep. but it's been fixed up and added to, and and all sorts of things have happened to it in the meantime. But what's even more interesting than the house is, of course all of the stuff that's in the house, which has been collected from years of privy digging and other historical uh, 
sleuthing and and also original works of art yes because michael is also an artist and uh well we have this cabinet next to us right now which is like this old filing cabinet and every drawer of it is full of a different kind of artifact it reminds me of that room in the met that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago wait what is that that's false teeth it's yeah. false teeth it's a complete upper denture it's a 1850 uh, what? 1850 yeah. Here, take a look at that oh my god okay wait i'm like, that's taking impressive. a picture of it so right now so if you google if you google the guy who invented the rubber for those false teeth it might have been goodyear he patented the, the vulcanizing rubber. So they would take the impression, then right. they would make it, then they would bake it. You would buy the teeth themselves from a catalog. You'd get like large, medium, or small porcelain teeth, wow. put them all in there. But then they had the form that fit into your mouth, and that was high tech. Yeah. And the guy, I remember reading this story, the guy who, whose job it was to enforce that patent was killed by a dentist in San Francisco. Wait, what? Yeah. I don't remember the particulars. I remember the particulars of it, but he was out there and he's like, can't use this without paying us for the formula, whatever, and the guy shot him. Oh my God, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, well, it's kind of poetic and beautiful. And too. that gets back to the personal effect. I mean, what's more personal than teeth? Than your you teeth. know, you, this was sat in this guy's mouth and one day he was taking a dump and I, dropped it in the shitter, you know? Or, right, or, like, whoops. Or, he, or he died and his wife was like, fuck everything yeah. about this. Or the, there's another one we found a wedding. I found a wedding ring in a shitter. It's a gold wedding ring. It's, clearly it's a woman's ring. It's small. And, uh, you know, you wonder, was she wiping her bum and it fell off? Or, or was she just like, like, fuck him for real? I'm yeah, yeah. The whole wedding ring in the fucking uh, She probably would have sold it if she was saying that. I know. Well, I don't know. It depends how mad you are. Yeah. If she just like, this is like, man, we could start like a whole other podcast that's like short story fiction, like right, speculative right. No, that's, fiction. And yeah. that's always, you find these things. So uh, another another great artifact that, that one of my personal favorites is an anti-immigration jar lid. What? It's, so it's a jar lid and it's got, it's called One False Move. It's actually a, it's a British political <laughs> cartoon and it's the Pope playing chess with John Bully, who was like the Uncle Sam yeah, of John Britain. Bull, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And he says, you know, my bishop to your queen, sir, or something like that. And then it says, poo-poo, man, your bishop is out of place. So it's like, it's like you know, the pope is so stupid, <laughs> these dirty papists, you know. Like, right. and, he, and I remember finding that. It was around the time of the last it's called election. Pratware. Yeah, Prattware. And uh-huh. around the time of the last election, I was talking to my son about, like, this anti-immigration, these foreigners are ruining our, are the complexion of our country thing, yeah. has been going on forever. Wait, wait, yeah. so what era is this lid? That's probably, the, the, the cartoon, I believe, was 1850, and that so was probably shortly thereafter. Totally right within the Antoine Propes period. <laughs> and this, and right. this neighborhood where that was dug, there was a huge riot that happened here where the, the nativists marched into this neighborhood and it had like a, Trump rally in the middle of this immigration neighborhood. Right. And of course they were shown the way out of the neighborhood. <laughs> and then, but then next day they came back with thousands of people and there was a shooting war and the Jesus. Irish were up on the roofs and right. they shooting them. It's like the Irish St. Michael's Catholics, there were like German Catholics that were like a really big deal. Yep. And, you know, and, um, and I was reading more about this after our episode about Antoine Propes, but it's like, the middle 1800s, there was so many revolutions in Europe. Like, Europe was just a shit show, an absolute shit show. Right. And so everyone was fucking coming here because who wants to live in this, like, violent shit show of a continent? 
And so Americans are like, wait, who are all of these outsiders? I hate them, get them out. They're like migrants who are like looking for a better life and, and I don't want anything to do with it. it. Fucking sucks. Okay, Michael is looking in more drawers right now. Oh, here's the syphilis cure. Oh. Yeah. It came in a little paste jar. So you, you uh, obviously rubbed it on something. Okay, so. yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, is it like an ointment that you put it on your like. dick? Yeah, it's probably a cream. Yeah. Based on that vessel right How there. How is the fucking cream going to cure syphilis? That's I don't think it did. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it worked. Like, yeah. Who is even believing this? This is like well, amazing. There was a quack doctor that lived across the street from That's where our true. building is uh, all throughout that period. Lots of advertisements about it's another stuff. Another cool thing. This is a breast shield. This was made for women, women who were nursing. And if your nipple structure wasn't such that the child had trouble latching on, if you had sort of a flat nipple, you would wear this on your boob. And it would make it hopefully out. make your boob, your nipples stick out some. This right. one's made out of glass. Uh, I've seen them made out of metal before. And then it's got a little hole in the bottom that's ground in there that if you actually express milk, which you do when you lactate, you just kind of just leak sometimes, mm-hmm. you would pour that out into your coffee mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there are drawers here. There is a whole drawer that is full of pipes and pipe pieces, so tobacco pipes. There is a whole drawer that's full of oh. dolls, oh, child's sh- dolls. Look at that. What are you holding there, Michael? So this is, uh, we were digging in a, on a near glass factory, a, a 19th century glass factory, and we found a lot of what we call whimsies, which are stuff that guys made sort of on their lunch break or when they weren't being observed. Uh, wasn't what they were supposed to be making. Uh, this is a glass cane, and apparently, when you had a parade, like the Grand Poobah would have a grass, like a the glass mummers? cane that was like, you know, he's, oh, sure. he's the he's the dude, you know. Yeah. So this is part of a glass cane, and they would make them there when nobody was looking. I guess. So it kind of just looks like a candy cane, but made out of glass, and it might have had, I guess, like a pommel on top. Or a there's curve. we have we have some with hooks, like a crook. Yeah, exactly. A cane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. There's one. Right there. Oh, there you go. Little are. slightly yeah. thicker one. Yep. Yeah, and so it's just like it serves no practical purpose. It's purely just decorative. That's, I mean, that's the whole thing is that it. That I, I would imagine that the whole status of it is that it's fragile. Right. And completely useless. Yeah. And probably somewhat expensive. It's like, showing off that you can spend that money. It's like right. having a lawn instead of a garden. Right. 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 So you two met each other over this privy. Were you both just like you hit it off and you were like, let's dig privies every weekend? It was. Like, it was pretty. Well, we, yeah, it was, it was love at first sight. Yeah, we, we started talking food and privies. Like, uh, yeah, food and we connect. And yeah, the food was, and privies. I shoot deer and make sausage. Do you? I do too. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. My god. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you you cook? I, I have a I have a pate recipe. You know that that kind of thing. Me too. Go yeah. to figure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you fight over who has the better pate recipe? No, actually, we we combine our yeah. recipes okay. and we discuss yeah. them pretty. Oh That's the magic of this. See, the privy digging is kind of a thing. It's fun to do. We get out there. We get to look around at the. The city. We've seen a lot, actually, since we've been digging together in the city. And then you, uh, we take, after the digs, we'll come back and look at Mike's, what he's got here. We've got this beautiful backyard. He, he cooks. We cook. I bring food. He brings food. We have a good time. And it's all those, those little experiences add up to the whole good fun of the... You know, and it's a lot of what Debbie was saying about the connection. I mean, do you guys know the Tarkovsky film, The Stalker? No, I haven't I do not. seen it. So there's a maybe a UFO that lands or some sort of event that changes this landscape forever, and it's a forbidden zone, which is a little bit you know there's a there's a forbidden element of it, and the stalker is the guy who goes into this zone to bring this foreign technology out of the zone to share with the rest of the people. It's illegal that he does it, 
but it's a kind of a, a quest and it, it's, it's a little bit like that. It's a little, it's it, like, like without getting over spiritual, you know, it's a little transcendent. I mean, yeah. you're in there, you're touching people's lives. Yeah. You know, you really are. I mean, you were like, like you said, once you're holding this thing in your hand that's mm -hmm. 200 years old that was, you know, last held by somebody, you know, a child. The, the child, the children's stuff is amazing too. Yes. The child's plates, you know, the, the little cups. The little spoons, right. you know, the dolls. Right. Like, you and know, you know when you're digging it that you're the only person who's going to be able to dig this dig. You know, you're like the first true. person to see it in 200 years. And you may and be the last if you, if you weren't there. A lot of the things we find, yeah. we're not even... That stuff isn't going to be around another day or two sometimes. We'll talk to these contractors and they'll let us dig in these sites. They're going to haul it away in a dump truck and it's gone forever. And it yeah. happens a lot. Most of the stuff you see here was saved from certain destruction. Yeah. Certain destruction. I mean, because we these privies... Or, like you drive around and you see these cut downs, privies are getting scooped up and, and hauled away in trucks. And which blows my mind because it's like, I mean, for us, it's like, you know, like I said, we got real lucky on our first privy, but it's like some of this stuff is valuable, it's important, it's interesting. It Why is. wouldn't you take a second? To go through because it. Because when you're building a million dollar house <laughs> and, and, you're, and a couple of yabos come up and ask if they can dig for a couple of bottles. You just don't want. I mean, I like, love there's, that there's you a, use the word "yobber." Yeah, just there, now. there's there's a <laughs> uh -oh. there, there's there's liability. There's all kinds of reasons they wouldn't let you. They don't want you to dig. Sure. Or you know, we also dig in people's backyards. We you know, cold approach people, or people say, you know, I live in this house that was built in eighteen x. You know, fill in the blank. And we're redoing the backyard. Can you guys come out and dig the privy? Like, mm -hmm. sure, we do that. and We share the artifacts with them. But there, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't reason, you know, like right. it's, it's a mess, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and it's the thing as we're getting, I don't know, popular. Yeah. We're getting more offers. Like people were asking us to come out to their hmm. plantations and their houses and their farms. And can you check this? Can you check that? You can dig whatever you want, have at it. Or can we have everything? I mean, we're, we're open. We've dug almost. The, 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 the important distinction is none of these areas are public lands right none of them are active archaeological sites <laughs> yeah that's important. we don't we don't dig in national parks we don't we don't the, i bet people do well, oh people do people oh, do yeah, people, yeah, do. people the valley like forge that. was a really big <gasps> metal detecting site guys were out there with metal detectors for years i mean yeah. you know and i bet gettysburg was like that too oh, oh of course oh, God. Yeah. yeah oh yeah absolutely there's guys who sneak out there at night and yeah. we don't do any of that stuff right and we have friends who are archaeologists we have a symbiotic relationship with several archaeologists we have on speed dial that, you know, we, we ask questions to them and that our collections are open to them for whatever they want to look at. Yeah. So something that I think we've sort of touched on in previous episodes is that there are several sort of factions of privy diggers. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Like there are. There are privy diggers that are in it for different reasons. I mean, we've already talked about like some privy diggers who are obsessed with the bottle side of things, but there are like privy diggers who are obsessed with stuff and other privy diggers who are more cognizant of the archaeological or the historical importance of the stuff that they're digging. There are privy diggers who draw moral lines that are like, you know, I'm not going to go onto a national park or I'm not going to go onto a site where I don't have permission to be there and there are privy diggers who are like let's try and get permission let's like do when you, when you have the problem is the guys that do it for a living the guys that right. don't have That's anything amazing. Right. so there are actually yeah. people who do this yeah for there a are and, and you know what it's a it's a shitty living i, I mean if you were to so. break down the man hours that we spend doing this you're, you're making pennies on the dollar 
But if you got guys that are out there trying to, there are guys that do this for a source of income. Mm-hmm. Not as much anymore because there are guys this, who push shopping carts down the street and collect cans too. Yeah, it's on that level. Right. Yeah, right. I mean it's 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 only shit it's harder. Work for <laughs> right, because you have to dig dirt, and everything you do is illegal. It's not like just going through trash. Right, right. right. but you are in survival mode at that point. We do yeah. this for fun. If we get wow. if we get a but, we can't but do it, is, it. We don't lose any sleep. We like the the one thread that binds us all is that they're all weirdos. Yeah, <laughs> sure. There's that. No, absolutely. anybody no, anybody it. who digs a hole thirty foot deep in the ground through shit and bricks. For antique bottles is a weirdo. There's just yeah. no, there's no other way. There's no getting around no, that. No, sure. yeah. no, there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think. frankly, anybody who like decides that they're going to start a podcast is also a fucking weirdo. And there's like different levels of podcasts where it's like <sighs> we're not advertising oh. on our podcast because we're not trying to make a living out right. of it. And then you get people who are like they want to be a podcaster for their main source of income. Now that's and, right. where my head went when you were talking about that. Right. It's like. We're podcasting for fun. I don't even listen to podcasts, but you get these people who they started out the same way and they got a little bit of money and they're like, oh, this is my path to getting out of whatever situation I'm in. And it like twists them into this weird thing. Right. They're like podcasting Most for of the, the time, you're so much better. Like if you're in the arts uh-huh. and you start to make a little bit of money doing this one thing. You're so much better off getting a job. Ask Jim Dine, right? The guy paints one bathrobe; it sells. Now he's painting bathrobes for forty years. They're terrible. <laughs> They're all the same fucking bathrobe, but he's selling them. It's worse than a, the guy. If he guy guy if the guy it's worked purgatory. at the post office, right? Yeah, and went home and painted whatever the fuck he wanted. Think about how much better of a life he would have. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird. And that's the the beauty of Philadelphia is that. <laughs> And the art scene here is that you're never going to make a living. Get used to it. It's really liberating. There's no yeah, one. Sure. There's no one in Philadelphia in the art scene you can't afford to alienate. As as, a, as an older person, <laughs> I'm giving you this. This. I this, love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. I am laughing. No one will really help you, and so you just do whatever you want. Which brings you around to the the artifacts we find. We could walk you through this house and give you prices on all this stuff, and a lot of it's pretty valuable. Sure, but. The man hours you spent getting to that is enormous. And so right. the, the value in it is just, you know, we, we have the luxury of sitting it on the wall and picking up and looking at it anytime we want. We're not selling it. To tell you the truth, we sell a lot of bottles. Because the bottles, the I mean, bottles, you, you don't care about, about the bottles. Yeah, you, you don't care about them. them. And there are guys who love them. And yeah. we're happy to Fine. move them on. And there aren't many yeah. sources of, for these particular yeah. bottles. These right. bottles are like, you, most people have never seen a bottle that looks like these. These, right. these squat sodas. right. Or, or some of the, that was a primary vessel like through the 1850s. That kind of, that's yep, squat I have soda. A, a pondled FX Obert here in my hand. Green pondled, squat soda, iron pondel. So we have a friend with that name. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Bid, biddings are, bids uh, are getting, going up. Yeah, getting the coals coming in right now. It's a good one. <laughs> well, here, case, case in point. That bottle right there, if you were to sell that, it would probably bring you maybe $150, $200. Wow. We have a friend with that name on there, and we're going to give it to him for nothing because it's he, Cause he likes because he likes it. He, th- thing, yeah. he thinks it's cool. Yeah, no, so, I, and and this is like the same thing for us. It's like some of our stuff has been valued by people, and and it's it's interesting for us because I feel like there are certain things that we have this like emotional attachment to, like our Pipkin. That I'm like, you yeah. can tell me that Pipkin was twenty thousand dollars, and I'd be like, fuck you, it's my Pipkin. Like, get your yeah, we have pr- we have a. Uh, prices we can be bought you know 60 and so, yeah 60 yeah, 60 I might, are, are you, are you, look, <laughs> yeah this, this is melissa talking yeah right? yeah look look i mean if if the pipkin would pay for the floor of the theater right I'll now i'll take a nice picture of the pipkin yes <laughs> <laughs> but also 
I know that Pipkin isn't worth that much money. Right. And there's like other Ooh, also, things. Also, you could like 3D scan now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. yeah, I could probably pay a potter to make a reproduction of the Pipkin and I'd be just as happy. But, right. but Do it, don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> just, put a, just swap them out. Your Pipkin looks better than <laughs> ever did. This is husband I, advice. I got it repaired. You can't even tell that there was a chip. It's yeah. good as new. It's really good it's as really new. It's really new. <laughs> I mean, it's but, good. But then there's a part of me that's like, like the Bonin and Morris is really cool. I don't actually feel as emotionally attached to the Bonin and Morris as perhaps I would be to the Pipkin because, because the Bonin and Morris, and it's like we, talking about what we were talking about before, where... It's nicer. You can't see the individual. It's a factory. It's a factory item. Right. Yeah. Um, It's a small factory. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, if someone wanted to buy our Bonnet and Morris and it helped us finance the next stage of construction, I might actually go for that. There's like a couple of different things that I'm like, someone wants to buy that. I'd be okay with that. But then there are other things that I'm like, isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. There's some stuff people will slit your throat for, you know, but there's right. other things, you know, that was discussed earlier too. Okay. Yeah. What's the shadiest thing that you've ever heard about in the privy digging world? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you, you don't have to, deep I, you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to name names. I'm just like curious how piratey it gets. Cause the other name for it is like privy pirate. Someone right? we, we both know, uh, was on a site that another friend of ours had permission on and was busted by the owner. And he presented the owner with the other guy's card and said he had permission from that guy. Oh, no. yeah. So that went back to the guy who actually had permission from the owner and it kind of queered the deal. And he said, that guy let me on the site. And so it was a big to do yeah. sure mm. okay. and then there was the brick fight were you there for yeah the i was there for that oh, yeah. what? <laughs> that was what? great uh go ahead my, you my, tell that one too. My, we, we were on a site tom me my son and uh two other privy diggers and two other privy diggers the three other privy diggers show up so so three three so teams yeah, three different teams three rival factions yeah we, we had sort of like an okay relationship with these two guys and we were digging and they were digging and then this other team shows up, and the one guy who was old enough to collect Social Security, just to give <laughs> yes. you an eye, okay. not a big dude, uh, picks up a brick and starts charging after this young and guy. screaming, too. He screaming was screaming. In a high-pitched voice! I'll <laughs> fucking kill you! No! <laughs> <laughs> the other guy grabs a shovel. <gasps> yeah. And they're, like, doing the, come on, right now! Fuck you! You know, like, that kind of, like, do oh it right God. now. And I calmly say to my son, I like, these are all grown ass men fighting over antique bottles. Like, right. and he's well, looking just at he's, digging rights to a spot. I mean, right. we, we, nobody knew it was there. 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 No, yeah. nobody yeah, knew. Right. And, and he's just watching with wide eyes this, this <laughs> confrontation go on. Um, oh, my God. Then the other guy shows up. Oh, yeah, that, the, the yeah, other the, party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the guy on the is, motorcycle. Yeah, the dumbest, one of the dumbest. <laughs> like, the guy who calls. The, we in, in our house we call shards and shards shars after this guy because he says shars. I'm gonna. I'm. I, I got some shars here, but I got nothing. So and I, I saw this map in the library. He lives in. A, he lives in a trailer in New Jersey, in like Mud Cake, New Jersey. Um, I got one word for you, dickhead. dickhead. He wrote a, yeah, he wrote that in a wall. He said, "I got one word for you, dickhead." And, <laughs> The fuck? <laughs> so yeah, there's because that. We, we had we had 
scooped him. We had dug this privy before he could get to it, and he felt somehow that he, <coughs> he earned it. Because he'd right. been digging its neighborhood for a long time, <laughs> uh, and that was his claim to it. But uh, <laughs> so he wrote that in the wall. Yeah. So we were exchanging messages in the wall for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. cool. You could get in a history. Well, Lewis was uh, Lewis was our scribe for this. Remember? Yeah. He would, yeah. He would, yeah. <laughs> his his eight-year-old son was writing so messages. So eats poop <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the perfect level for it. Right? We also like, know we also know not this isn't a shady thing, but it's a little. Uh, so we somebody was digging a privy, and often there's there's some pipes that go into there because they had converted the privy, you know, early on into a flusher, or they sure. went through there, and so he was. We had started digging this privy and stopped because it wasn't safe. It was in the wall and it was going to screw over the site. Mm-hmm. So we left. This guy comes back at night and starts digging this privy. And somebody in the house flushes the toilet. No, it was still in operation? <laughs> yep, it was. Yes, it was. No. The pipes were fucking covered him, right? Oh, my God. And I'll just say you know who it is. So- oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Uh- so we just couldn't. I mean, I just like seeing him get a poop shower in in the, in the <laughs> and then of course he leaves this mess, you know, this open. Yeah. So there's and there's there's a long history with privy diggers and contractors because much like you know people who ask permission for doing various things, hunting on your property, whatever, they leave a gate open. You leave an open mess, you leave a problem for these guys. Right. Right. You're an asshole. More work, right? right? Yeah. You're, you're an asshole. Right, and you're you know? fucking it up for everyone else. Absolutely. So Absolutely. we've we've actually got the brunt of a lot of guys coming. We'll show up at a site and ask if we can dig, and they'll go, no, fuck you. You uh, you made a mess on my site last night. We're looking like, at each other like, what? Yeah, it wasn't you know, And it wasn't us, you know? Wow. Right. But we get the blame All because we're that community. Right. And, and you're, like, uh, upfront about yeah, we try to what you're doing. And, right. Right. Higher profile and whatever. Yeah. And yeah, you have like a whole documentary about you at <laughs> well, WHYY, yeah, we're kind of famous so now, now you're so. the face we're of the, the privy digging. We're legit. Yeah, well, yeah. and actually, quite honestly, it gets back to when you guys walked in the door at Front Street and you saw us. We were just showing up on the map then, and that gave us street cred right there. And then after that, we didn't have to do anything. Privies were coming to us left and right. Landowner friends and people with... Uh, projects and stuff were coming to us so yeah go ahead have at it even with just like this podcast which is really small scale our reviews on itunes are full of people who were like this show made me investigate on my property whether we might have any privies on the property that are worth looking at and you know people are thinking about their land in that way because it's so weird how people don't think about that that person that you talked about there not, not the person, but a person like that contacted us recently, and we were spent yesterday on on the farms looking at eighteen thirties era farms, discussing locating the privies and, yeah. and artifacts. And we yeah, told yeah. them, you know, you can have everything that we find. We're not archaeologists. Yep, we're not archaeologists. Not by we're, any means. Not, and we're doing stuff that archaeologists don't do. Sure. In ways that they don't do it, in places that they will never go. You know, that said, there is animosity. I mean, I was at a party and somebody said, oh, yeah, Michael, the so-and-so works at Penn Museum. And and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And they're, they're like, Michael Frechette is a privy digger. The dude turned on his heel. <gasps> like, and, uh, <laughs> the, A Penn Museum guy? Yeah. Well, his wife was, it was like, uh, you know, I, I felt like I had a maggot hat on or something, you know? Well, you know, whatever. Because, like, I should talk to the Penn Museum on this podcast because they wouldn't fucking get back to me when I was a student at Penn right. and approached them as in the collegiate fucking spirit of who can help me do this. And they were like, we're not interested. So in my point of view, <laughs> if you are like, nobody here is interested in helping you, 
all you have when, fucking when, free reign to do whatever you want. When 676 went through, mm. there was no archaeologists there. Really? All, those You would see privies down the side of that, and there was privy diggers digging. Oh, that was yeah. The, there, there was nothing. They don't have the resources. They don't, it, they don't, I mean, not that, not that there weren't people who weren't interested in it, but uh-huh. nobody, it wasn't part of, nobody was on site nobody to do it. Nobody was thinking about I mean, it. And now 95's going in, and Doug Mooney's, you know, out there, and he's doing his thing, and yeah. that's great. Doug you know? Mooney is the head of the Philadelphia Archaeological Forum, mm. which I just became a member of recently, by the way, <laughs> and he is responsible for a lot of the activism with preserving archaeology in this town. And we've seen him talk about that issue. And that's super important. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And and not, you know... Well, especially when the state or PennDOT comes in and does something, it's like, come on, like... (laughs) Flick out a little dough. I can't tell you how many privies I've seen just vanish because of a backhoe just ripping through them and nobody saves anything in them. And, you know, those guys, they don't have... There's not enough of them and there's not enough funds... And these, these developers can't stop their jobs. No. For, there's a right. lot working against them. Whereas if you know, we can get in there and, and, and save anything out of it, even if it's just walking across a site and picking something off the ground, it's better than the alternative, which it gets run over by a machine or crushed or hauled right. away. And so it's, it's just saved. destroyed it's, forever. You know, and, and I got a house full of stuff like that. Yeah, you and, know, and in, terms, in terms of value, the monetary value, it's nothing. Like right. that's that's right. not it's an true. argument for these guys. Yeah. So so I got so I got a lot that cost me two hundred thousand dollars, and you're gonna look for a bottle, you know, that, <laughs> right. that could be worth six hundred dollars. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, like, yeah. Another thing too. So uh, that's not it. That's not an argument. And, and even historically speaking, I mean, I, I don't want to poo-poo archaeologists, but this is an era that uh, there's been a lot written on. There's a lot right. known about the 19th century. You could count how many apricot seeds versus plum seeds are in this pit. These things have been... Right. Well, are you been, really learning anything that's going to advance our knowledge of this period? It's not available somewhere else. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's not a valid thing to do. Sure. God help the guy who counts the plum seeds. You know, good on him. But, you know, there's plenty of places. There's, it's not a shortage in Philadelphia. <laughs> the archaeologists are going to love that ending. <laughs> <laughs> We're ending on a cliffhanger. Will archaeologists and privy diggers ever get along? <laughs> Can we be the missing link that joins them together? Well, I think that there are plenty of points of intersection already. It's always a privilege to talk to Tom and Mike. They're so much fun, which is why we've got a lot more coming next week. We've been so lucky to spend so much time with them. They're such nice guys. Yeah. Anyway, hey... We're doing a Q&A episode, a question and answer episode, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, don't be shy. Send in your questions. Yeah, and uh, we still have plenty of space for your questions. So, please email us at boghouse at org, or you can reach out to us on social media, but it's probably better if you email. You can ask us any questions that you want, and if you want to go the extra mile, you can record yourself asking the question in audio format, and then send me the wave or MP3. Yeah, it can be about privy digging, it can be about Philadelphia, it can be about music. Never mind. Yeah. Just ask us questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're running out of story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, we're about to take a break in story while we take these steps that we can't really talk about yet. Yeah, plus uh, summertime is going to get really busy. June yeah. is uh, Crazy conference a beast. Month. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And uh, please stay tuned for part two of our time with the Privy Diggers coming up next week. I'm Matt Dunphy. 
And I'm Melissa Dunford. And you've been listening to The Bog House. You can find out more about our show at boghouse.thehanna.org. The Bog House is recorded at the Hannah Callow Hill stage in Philadelphia. Our theme music is by Up Your Cherry. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review if you like what you hear.